The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome to Super Bowl week, everybody. How you feeling, Heath? Feeling confident? I don't know if confident's the right word, but I'm excited. I'm hopeful. What are you more excited for, the game or the food? Um, not wait, 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 let me, let me, not just the food, but the food, the drinks, the friends, the, the Super Bowl festivities. Are you more excited for the game or the fun that goes into Super Very Bowl? Very excited for both, but I do think that like this is one of those years where we got the two best teams in football playing in the Super Bowl, the two number one seeds. Um, just a couple of spectacular young quarterbacks. I think it has to be the game. I think this could be one of the best Super Bowls we've had in a while. I hope so. I hope so. Well, that's Heath. Dave's here. Hey, Dave. It's the game for me, too, despite my rotund size. I am excited about the matchup. I think it's going to be a good one. And I think I'm changing my pick, too. You to the Chiefs? You're going cheat? No, you're going to Eagles. Welcome. Welcome I'm aboard. I'm changing my pick. I'm going to Philadelphia. Okay, okay. Jamie, how's it going? Oh, it's going well. How are you? I'm doing great. So uh, what about you? More excited for the game or the festivities? I am more excited for the game. Um, I think the festivities, you know, for me, it's a little disappointing because I have to leave wherever I end up going. I have to leave at halftime because of the kids. Why? Because of the kids, you know. So that's Why? like kind of a bug because you know they have to get the they have to get the process of going to bed started. Can't be you get to stay up late on the Super Bowl Sunday. It's a rule. <laughs> I, I guess you so. can let them stay up a little later. Um, hey Adam, yeah. how was your weekend? Well, you any fun? I mean, how are you? How are you going to miss? What you know? By the time their careers are done, the greatest quarterback maybe of all time against the greatest team of all time. Like, how are you going to miss that game? I. Yeah, I mean, they won't remember it anyway, but I agree. It is uh, it is going to be an epic matchup. My weekend was great, Heath, and if you're wondering, I have not gone to the gym yet. So still zero appearances there. All right, let's get into the show. Today we're talking about bounce-back candidates, and we have some notes for you as well. I want your favorite bounce-back candidate. First of all, what does it say? You can't be over 30 if you're a bounce-back candidate, Heath? Was that a joke? No, I just think there's a pretty good chance if you're over 30, and quarterback might be the exception, but if you're over 30 and you had a bad year, it's probably just the beginning of the end. Okay. That, you know, I thought maybe Russell Wilson would be mentioned on the show, but I, I don't I don't know that he will be other than just now. So how about Jamie? Why don't you start? Give me your favorite bounce back candidate. I think he will score one touchdown in 2023. So I'll go with Deontay Johnson, who is still top 10 in targets, went through two quarterbacks in this uh, topsy-turvy, topsy-turvy season for him. Um, still had 86 catches. I still think he's going to be a focal point in the passing game, despite the improvements from George Pickens in year two. And so I, I think you'll get a, a huge discount on Deontay Johnson and we'll bounce back in a big way. Okay. Dave, you ready? Yeah. I'll take the low-hanging fruit of Jonathan Taylor. 
a third-year running back who had to deal with a high ankle sprain that basically harpooned his entire season, but still has immense talent. And I'm expecting the Indianapolis offense to be a lot better than what it was last year. And hopefully he stays healthier and he bounces back from finishing 18th in PPR points per game in 2022. Taylor was 18th. Yeah. Wow. Um, that probably, but that probably includes the Minnesota game, right? Played like two snaps, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we, do we have the official Azer stat rankings? No. Should I do that? A one hundred one million percent. Okay. Okay. One million percent. I would. I would. I might even pay money for that. I'll do that. Okay. Sure. If I will make a guide. Um, all right. So can, can John, do you guys think Jonathan Taylor? Because nobody has him ranked number one. Uh, what are the odds that he bounces back to to the number one running back in fantasy? Slim. Twenty five percent. Because as we we've talked about this a lot that. We've talked about this a lot, that it was a fluky number one, right? Yeah, it was a pretty low number one. Because of the lack of receptions. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Heath, who's your favorite bounce back? Well, I think the low-hanging fruit is Justin Herbert. Um, even if nothing else had changed for him, he would have been one of the top regression candidates. Not as good of a candidate as Deontay Johnson with zero touchdowns, but, but he had a 5.2% touchdown rate his first year, 57 His second year, that fell to 36 last year. His yards per attempt, 7.4 the first two years in his career, fell to 6.8 last year. He's a 25-year-old quarterback going into next year. I don't think he's lost any talent. Now he gets the offensive coordinator upgrade as well. So I would expect a full and complete bounce back from Justin Herbert. Do you see the uh, the report from The Athletic that they might cut Keenan Allen? That would make me less excited about it. Yeah, Gerald Everett, too. Well, Gerald Everett, I would expect. Yeah. <laughs> and Bye-bye. And... <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, Brandon Staley said that they want to be able to run the ball a little bit more. He kind of intimated that at his uh, in a recent press conference. It might have been his end of the year one, and we missed it. And aren't talking about it until now. But, it, you know, if they cut Keenan Allen, and obviously they move on from Gerald Everett, that means they could sign somebody. They could draft somebody. Could get interesting there. Could add a little bit more of a spark to that passing. Well, it makes, it makes Josh Palmer a huge breakout candidate. Yeah, yeah. But they still need they still need speed. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I think I guess I mean Herbert's you know great player. He was the number two or three quarterback in fantasy two years ago, uh, twenty twenty one. Um, just is he going to have the weapons? You know, compared to the other guys, do you need to see him? Do you need to see them add somebody? Well, if he has Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Austin Eckler, then I don't know that he has worse weapons. I mean, maybe slightly worse weapons than someone, but that's in the upper echelon of weapons in the NFL. Yeah, I'd I, I, I still throw Palmer in there, too, with that group, too. I don't know that people, I don't know that everybody agrees with that. I think I saw a lot of buzz like, okay, they've even with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Eckler, they don't really have a lot of speed. They don't really have yeah. like, a dynamic playmaker necessarily. It depends how people view Mike Williams. Um, that you know, that's, that's not bad weapons per se, but it's not guys who are going to make a lot of plays for Justin Herbert, I guess. Mm. I would say they've it's been making plays for him. Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes had this year. Yeah, Mahomes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's a pretty fair point. Okay, uh, if you want to hear about the Senior Bowl, we were going to talk about it today, but we're gonna we're gonna skip that and talk more about bounce back candidates. If you want to hear about the Senior Bowl, check out the Fantasy Football Today in Five podcast. We had Emery Hunt on there with Chris Towers talking about his Senior Bowl takeaways. So a good way to get started on your NFL draft prep. Some of the top seniors in the in college football taking center stage there. But check out FFT and Five just in general. Um, I think you're going to get five episodes per week pretty soon, so check that out. And uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Fantasy Football Today in Five, that's just five, six minutes, basically, of great fantasy football advice. News and notes, we have some coordinator hires, hirings. Uh, Carolina hired former Broncos defensive coordinator Ejiro Aviro as their defensive coordinator. Uh, he had a great year last year as, their, as the D.C. in Denver. Dallas hired Brian Schottenheimer as the offensive coordinator. And we know Mike McCarthy's going to call plays, Dave. So does this really matter? Does this register much for you? No, the the Schottenheimer hire doesn't register that much. It's probably just somebody to bounce ideas off of or have somebody give ideas to McCarthy. I don't know how often Mike McCarthy will accept those ideas and mesh them with his own 
uh, getting a little nervous about what this offense could look like with McCarthy and now Schottenheimer there. It, but is McCarthy such a bad thing? Didn't we? Can we look at his Green Bay tenure and say, oh, that's actually pretty good? <laughs> well, I mean, a part of it is that he had Aaron Rodgers. So, of course, the numbers are going to end up looking really good. Definitely was pass-heavy when he was there, and you would expect them to be because he had Aaron Rodgers. And you can, I can look into it a little bit more and get back to you on it within, you know, two minutes. I've got a whole file on him that I've got to find. But I think what he, the, he, he was he's, he's really okay. Good. I don't know if he's necessarily somebody that has evolved. Right. Has right. his offense changed so much over the past, you know, three years, four years since he last called plays that it's going to be different and up to date with what we're looking for from this type of era in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think the the argument against him is that it looked like Aaron Rodgers was washed, and then they got rid of McCarthy, brought in somebody else, and he won back to back MVPs. Washed up. So next news item is uh, Zach Wilson. The Jets don't intend to intend to trade Zach Wilson. They're hoping that he can develop um, while kind of learning as a backup. That's according to Jeff Howe of the Athletic. Geno Smith said that talks with the Seahawks are looking good. They said they want him back. Hopefully, they can get something worked out there. The Chargers, uh, their offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, talked about wanting to develop more running backs to take turns. feel like we hear this a lot. It never really happens. Jamie, can you foresee a scenario where another running back on the Chargers hurts Austin Eckler's fantasy value in a fairly or somewhat significant way that would make him maybe more like a top 12 guy but not a top three? I mean, you know, they they drafted Isaiah Spiller to, you know, I think to be more of a playmaker for them and that didn't materialize right right so i i think there's there's some potential i mean you know he's what 28 next year and you got to start to figure that a they need to you know if they're going to be the team they hope to be want to make sure he's fresh and ready to go by the time they get to the end of the season and b maybe start to groom somebody else you know for what's coming maybe in 2024 so uh, Dave alluded to this, you know, Brandon Staley saying they want to run the ball more. So I, I think to to do that, you want to make sure your primary guy is not necessarily taking a beating and getting some more help. You know, so running the ball doesn't always necessarily mean the the, the main guy doing it all by himself. So I wouldn't be surprised. But okay. I don't, I, to, to your point, though, I don't think it takes Austin Eckler from being drafted as the, the second or third running back, depending on how you view him off the board. Uh, for me, he's two and dropping him down to like eight or nine. You know, I think he's still in the top five at worst case scenario. And they gave 50, like he only, Eckler only had 50% of their rush attempts last year. He only had 49% of their rush attempts the year before. They need to develop other running backs so that it's not such a difference when Austin Eckler comes off the field and they give the ball to somebody else. But they're already giving a bunch of carries to somebody else. Yeah, I think. How many touchdowns does that somebody else have? That's the, right. Because that's what would worry me. The goal um, line work. He gets he's been getting all the goal line carries at Eckler. Yeah, last two years. Yeah. And that was a big change because mm-hmm. before twenty twenty one, he didn't get a lot of that. And now he is. Did you remember that's great, but going into twenty twenty one, like go, at the end of twenty twenty they were using who the heck was it? The guy from the Dolphins. Uh they were using him. They picked him up and they were using him as oh, their goal line. Kalen Balage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't I I'd be shocked if they do that. I think Ellen Moore is too smart to do that. Okay, if you watched the Pro Bowl yesterday, maybe you... Know. Did you watch Ezekiel Elliott in 2022? He, yeah, he tried to get Pollard. had some goal line chances, and it didn't work, and he went back to Zeke. Uh, anyway... But that was just if, deferring to the veteran. What if Zeke follows Kellen Moore to Los hey, Angeles? Now that's He's their touchdown guy. Uh, all right, oh, if you watched the Pro Bowl yesterday, Miles um, Garrett uh, may have dislocated his toe during the Pro Bowl. Uh, oh, no. I watched. Really? I watched about a minute... Because I was looking for the Knicks Sixers game, and the Pro Bowl was still going on, so I'm not really a Pro Bowl guy, but I guess it was fun. It was the Pro Bowl games. It wasn't right. the Pro Bowl game. There were lots of fun games. The long snapper was awesome. Oh, okay. They um, played kick, kick, tack, toe, and they oh, had to cool. kick a field goal or punt or long snap it onto the board. And the AFC long snapper got all three X's for the AFC and won. <laughs> Justin Tucker couldn't hit it, but the long snapper hit it three times in a row. That's pretty cool. It was awesome. Uh, a jar of sand is for sale on eBay. 
was for the sand where Tom Brady was sitting when he announced his retirement, supposedly. So you can buy that. Josh Jacobs said he doesn't want to play on the franchise tag. We'll see how that develops. And Super Bowl notes, Andy Reid is optimistic about Kadarius Toney and Juju Smith-Schuster playing, but Miko Hardman is doubtful. And cornerback Avante Maddox for the Eagles is expected to play in the Super Bowl, according to Josh Tolentino of the Philadelphia Inquirer. All right, let's get... Oh, here's what, how we're going to do bounce-back candidates. So, Jamie and Heath both have a big list of bounce-back candidates. Dave, you're going to, instead of giving your bounce-backs, maybe we'll save that for another show, you, you, uh, you've seen the Debbie Downer bit on, on SNL? Oh, a topical culture reference. Yeah, you, you see that? Uh, <laughs> I think so. Okay, you're going to be Dave Downer or Davey Downer, whatever you want to be. So I've got to make the case against these yeah, bounce-back candidates? Yeah, you're going to pour so cold water every single on one. You're going to be like, look at what they did in 2022. <laughs> exactly. But oh, if you want. so frustrating. <laughs> you can look at the camera and I'll play. <laughs> and you can, give, you can be Davey Downer. All right. So, Heath, why don't you get started? Give me another bounce back candidate. Well, we'll just start it off on the right foot. I'll say Lamar Jackson. Um, and we just had the same argument that we had last year. He was actually, until he got hurt, a uh, basically top five, top six fantasy quarterback on a per game basis if you don't count that game where he left early at the end then he was a top six fantasy quarterback and so he'll definitely he finished around 12th this year on a per game basis he'll definitely bounce back to the top six and if they come up with a new offensive scheme and actually give him a wide receiver then he could be in that number one quarterback discussion if he goes to the atlanta falcons and plays with kyle pitts and drake london he could be in that number one quarterback discussion once again Dave? Davey Downer? So just a question about what I'm doing. Do I, I, I don't have to actually believe anything that I say. If I were you, I would, I would make it clear if you believe it or not. But it's, so it's, people we, don't that's ass- a different game. <laughs> so yeah. you, people don't assign this opinion to you. But no, your job is to be negative here. So why is Lamar Jackson not a good bounce-back candidate? Well, the guy hasn't been able to stay healthy each of the past two seasons. He's got this contract squabble with Baltimore. We don't know what their offensive coordinator is going to look like. And we can talk for days about their receiving core getting healthier. They haven't done diddly-poo to try and make the offense, or the wide receivers at least, really good. When they had a wide receiver who was capable of at least stretching the field, they traded him to Arizona for a first-round pick. So I don't know if there's really enough there or if there will be enough there for Lamar Jackson to be a a top five fantasy quarterback ever again, provided he stays healthy enough. Is that what you're looking for? Is that the fake argument that you want? Well, is it fake or is it real? What do you think? I don't, you didn't really have a lot of conviction in my opinion. I don't don't think you really meant it. (laughs) No, I don't believe it. Okay. I don't believe it. I, I think that he can. He's absolutely a bounce-back candidate. He's got huge potential because of the rushing. I don't think that's going away. And the next offensive coordinator isn't going to come to Baltimore and say, we're going to run an offense like the Bears' first four weeks of the season where we just tuck in Lamar Jackson and tell him not to run anymore. Not going to happen. And I think that they'll – not that they'll make a huge splash at wide receiver, but they'll do something to upgrade off of – what they had at the end of last year with Sammy Watkins, Devin Duvernay, and all the other amazing receivers that they had in Baltimore. They'll find somebody else to stretch the field, and that'll help. All right, Jamie, how do you feel? Lamar Jackson was the number six quarterback per game in the first 12 weeks of the season. Um, In weeks one through three, he was incredible. 26 points, 49 points, 47 points. And then after that, he struggled uh, had only two games after that with more than 20 fantasy points, more than 19 and a half. How do you feel about Lamar Jackson bouncing back? If he gets a contract, I will love it. If he does not get a contract, I will fear it very much because I think he's going to play scared to the level of what Lamar Jackson plays like because he doesn't want to get hurt again. So that's a little bit of a different tone than what we talk about with other players after they get paid. Why does Lamar getting paid help you feel better about him. Because I think I'll realize that he's got – because he's, he's not taking a non-guaranteed situation. He's, he's asking for Deshaun, Deshaun Watson money uh, or he's, you know, he's going to hope to get close to it. I don't think a team necessarily – maybe Atlanta does it, but uh, it doesn't sound like Baltimore's going to do it. So I think if he's playing on the franchise tag, I think if he's, if he's you know, in this limbo situation again, I, even if he, he may not play. I mean, you know, he, who knows what approach he's going to take. You know, so 
paid, I will like him. Non-paid, I will, I will be a little bit scared. Okay, so you're not worried about him getting the bag and then loafing. No, no. I don't really think that applies to quarterbacks very much. I don't, yeah. I I think that's maybe applied to just a few guys ever. And um, But I, I'm more afraid that he doesn't, like he he's on a one-year deal again and then he doesn't want to play through something, which who could blame him? Might have been because, the case this year. I, I, I mean, I, it kind of yeah. sounds like a good business decision. Yeah. All right, Jamie, give me a bounce-back candidate. I'm going to go a, a very deep on this one. I'm going to go Mike Gusecki. Because I like the fact that he's leaving the Dolphins and hopefully going to a situation where he can be a playmaking tight end that's used. And, you know, we saw flashes of that at times in Miami prior to this year. And I think he's got the potential to be a good fantasy tight end in the right situation. I was trying to think because I knew you were going to ask me this where, where that would be. And I don't really have a like clear cut destination. And like I was thinking, the, the the Chargers, they could afford him. You know, if Keenan Allen leaves and he goes to a place like that, you know, with the premier quarterback. Um, but I do think that there's there's plenty of potential here to draft a guy late, to take him. If, you know, this is the kind of guy I think the two guys that I gave you that, that fall in this category uh, for bounce back candidates would be Elijah Moore and, and Mike Gusecki for dynasty purposes. Like, go try and trade for them now before things change. You know, Jets get a quarterback. Gusecki signs somewhere where he can be, you know, featured. So for for long term purposes, I think there's there's opportunities to go get them now. But I think you know we'll, we'll find out when it comes draft process that that's not going to be the case. But for Gasecki, for, for example, you know I I think you could see what the upside for him was if you just go back to some of the the games that he played in 2020, 2021, um, and and what the the potential is there for a guy that came into the league not as a, a traditional tight end. He's more of a receiving threat and, and and could do some damage in the right spot. Okay, let's see what Davey Downer has to say. He'll turn 28 in October. He has had opportunities in his five-year career where he's gotten a lot of targets. He does get good catches. His receiving average is pretty meh. When he's been used as just a red zone or a touchdown target, he doesn't come through in a major way. It would need to take a really good situation for Mike Kosicki to become fantasy relevant again. I'm getting some serious Kobe Fleener vibes from Gasicki, especially after he gets paid after playing on the franchise tag. Uh, it, it will need to be a very, very good spot, and I don't even know if the Chargers would be that spot. Mm, I bought that. I feel like that was legit. That was uh, legit, Dave. I, the whole time Dave was talking, I was thinking the Chargers are the spot. Like if Gerald Everett and Keenan Allen are gone, they draft a rookie wide receiver, yep. sign Mike Gasicki. And you've got Kellen Moore's tight end tendencies with Justin Herbert's tight end tendencies, except maybe they all go to one guy now instead of seven tight ends during the season. I could see Gasicki being a top six tight end in, in Los Angeles. Dave, can you can you what do you think? Like, what's your real opinion? Uh, I was telling the truth about everything except the Chargers part. I think there <laughs> would be a chance for him in in LA to to be decent. Is he worth a late round pick if he goes to the Chargers? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean I, it obviously has to be the ideal spot. You know, I don't know, ideal spot it has to be a good spot. You know, it has to be a good quarterback, good situation, good system, all those things. But, um, but it also has to be something where he he he's not sharing with too many other guys. Of course, yeah, and yeah. that's why the Chargers could make some decent sense. And that was always the thing with Gasicki. When he was good, it was eight games when Preston Williams got hurt. If you remember the Preston Williams season. And then the next year, it was, I don't know if it was Devontae Parker, it was Preston Williams again or whatever. But whenever there had been at least two good receiving options, he was basically invisible. Uh, But it's also been terrible quarterbacks and terrible systems, too. Terrible quarterbacks and terrible systems? Well, okay, obviously you're not counting this year. No, this year was a terrible situation. I mean, just... You know, the, the thing that you heard out of Miami was part of the uh, the allure for this offense for Mike McDaniel was to work with Mike Kosecki, and that was before Tyreek Hill. Uh, yeah, and Mike Kosecki made it clear, or Mike McDaniel made it clear, it's not an easy offense for a tight end. You got to do a lot of blocking, a lot of di- a lot of different things. So it wasn't a good and fit. that's not him. Uh, let's, real quick, before we go to break, I'm going to make the case for Russell Wilson. <laughs> it's It's easy. He was really good in 2021 especially before his injury. First four games of the season, he was on pace for something like 37 touchdowns and no interceptions. He was killing it. Uh, may have been the number one or two quarterback in fantasy during that stretch. Then he got hurt, then he came back, then he stunk for two games. I mean, absolutely terrible. And his last six or seven games of 2021 were good. He went to Denver, had the worst season of his career, 
Is he really? He's not far removed from being an elite quarterback. We went through this with Tom Brady's last year with New England. We went through this with Aaron Rodgers uh, three seasons ago. He won, or like, yeah, two before he won back to back MVPs. No, Russell Wilson's not quite that good, but he still is a Hall of Fame quarterback. So that's an, an easy case to make for Russell Wilson. So there's a lot of good pieces in place. As soon as Nathaniel Hackett was fired, he scored 20, it was the last two games of the year, he scored over 20 fantasy points in both of them. Uh, 25.6 and 29.1 in the last two games of the season after Hackett was fired. So that's the case, Dave. What do you give me? Uh, give me the Davy Downer on Russell Wilson. 34-year-old quarterback coming off of some career lows, including completion rate at 60. Where is it on here? I'm sorry. It's right around 60% on the dot. 60.5. And that is a career low. Thank you. Yep. And the question is, will he do the things that? It's twofold. Will Sean Payton mold his offense to what Russ wants to do? And if he doesn't, will Russ mold his game to what Sean Payton wants to do? Because I'm not sure if those two things are equal. And if they're not, it's just going to cause more problems. And it, it's just, it's hard. It's it's especially hard in fantasy to buy into Russell Wilson when there are so many other quarterbacks that have more upside. When are you going to take this guy? You might take Mike Gesicki before you take <laughs> Russell Wilson. <laughs> uh, let me address a comment here from Captain Spock in our chat. He says, Russ will suck again. His mobility is gone. You know, I, I guess I didn't even realize he ran for 277 yards in 15 games. He was on pace for 314 yards. That's a little bit different. That's not just his mobility. I mean, I think the way he moved in the pocket maybe looked a little bit different. Uh, his ability to escape and extend plays maybe wasn't as good, but he did. He was on pace for 314 rushing yards. That's really impressive. That's really solid. So that was way back up, I think, from uh, 2021, that per game uh, rushing yard. So I, I want to give that um, piece of credit to Russell Wilson. Jamie Heath, uh, start with you, Jamie. You know, Dave's saying there's so many quarterbacks with more upside. Actually, I don't know if Dave, Dave was being legit Dave or Davey Downer there, but. Uh, why doesn't Russell Wilson still have elite upside? You know, he's one year removed from being one of the best quarterbacks in fantasy, basically, when he was healthy. The reason I would buy into Russell Wilson is that Sean Payton is not coming out of retirement, despite the money that he's getting paid, to tie himself to Russell Wilson if he does not believe he can still play. And if Sean Payton believes that he can still play, because this is a marriage now that is going to be at least probably two to three years, that they have the ability to work together and to make this work at a, at a high enough level that for fantasy, Russell Wilson may not be a top five quarterback, but I think he can still be a top 10 quarterback. There's plenty of weapons in place when you look at the receiving core and the tight end and the running backs and what this offense will be able to you know produce. There's going to be, as we said last year, uh, and, and probably didn't really materialize, but because of the division, a lot of shootout potential uh, for these offenses. And so the fact that Peyton took this job, knowing that, A, a team had to give up significant compensation to get him on top of what they're paying him, and B, knowing that you had to work with Russell Wilson. So if you don't think that at 34 what you saw last year is done, I'm going to believe Sean Payton. I'm going to trust Sean Payton. I'm going to buy back into Russell Wilson. I'm not going to go into my fantasy draft wanting to draft Wilson as number one quarterback. He'll be somebody that I settle for, but he'll be right on the cusp of a starter. So he'll be in that Tua, Daniel Jones group of, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 in that range. Uh, Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford, all those guys. You know, I, I think there's still plenty to like about Russell Wilson and him bouncing back, I think, is certainly realistic. Final thought, Heath? Yeah, I think you guys covered it. I don't have anything to add. Okay, let's <laughs> Dave, uh, since I don't know how you really feel, more likely that Russell Wilson finishes as a top seven or eight quarterback or, you know, yeah. around 15. Around fifteenth, really? Okay, easily. You're not. You're not yeah. optimistic. I mean, we we saw Sean Payton sort of sour on Drew Brees when Brees's career was coming to an end, and the same thing might be happening to Russ. And Sean Payton got paid a lot of money to be the coach of the Broncos, and I'm sure he got assurances that he will be able to eventually pick his next quarterback. It doesn't have to be this year or next year, but eventually he will get a chance to lead this team with the quarterback of his choice. And after that, if he fails, then maybe they move on from him. But I, I, I do not like this marriage. I did the research on it. You can read about it on CBSSports.com. I, I don't think this is 
going to end up being great for for Russ. Let's take a break. That's going to be great for us. Catch our breath a little bit for like the one second that we actually take the break on the show. And then we'll be back to talk about more bounce back candidates. We talked about a lot of quarterbacks so far. Let's talk about DK Metcalf. I want to hear that case for DK Metcalf when we get back on Fantasy Football Today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So Heath has DK Metcalf on his bounce back list. And Metcalf was uh, the number 18 receiver in non-PPR, number 13 in full PPR, but on a per-game basis, he was not a top-20 wide receiver. And despite leading the NFL in end zone targets, he caught only six touchdowns. And, you know, Heath, DK Metcalf has been top four in end zone targets in all four of his NFL seasons. Uh, That is uh, pretty wild. All right, make the case for DK Metcalf to bounce back. Well, I think you look at his, like you mentioned the end zone rate in terms of targets. He scored seven touchdowns on 100 targets as a rookie, 10 on 129 the next year, 12 on 129 last year. Sets a career high with 141 targets last year and scores a career low six touchdowns. So I think you're going to get a little bit of touchdown regression, but also Tyler Lockett will be on the wrong side of 30. I think Metcalf has a chance for the first time in his career to be the best wide receiver on his own team. Not the first time in his career, by the way. Um, let's see, what was he in 2020, 2020, 1300 yards, 10 touchdowns. He was the number six, something, something like that. Number six, uh, wide receiver in fantasy. All right. So Dave, that's the case for DK Metcalf. He can, he's, he's had more targets per game than Lockett each of the last two years and the touchdowns will come back your case as Davy Downer against the DK bounce back. Are we sure that the touchdowns are going to come back? Because if he had all these opportunities, which he's been getting year after year after year, and he only scores six, it makes me nervous that there's a chance that it doesn't. And there's regression there. I also think that the Seattle passing game undergoes some serious regression. All the other teams in the NFC West and everybody else that Seattle's going to play, they're going to be studying up and ready for Geno Smith. There's got to be a curveball coming that the Seattle offense has that keeps everybody uh, in that offense playing well at a high level. And I don't know if they're really capable of those types of curveballs. We've been waiting for DK Metcalf to break out and to be a big time number one at fantasy football receiver. And he's come close. He's it had happened. some really good years. No, it happened. It happened in his second season. I just said but to be the number to be the number one guy. He hasn't been that. You don't have to draft him as that, of course. Well, 83 but, catches, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns right. in 16 games. Was that, that was good enough to be where? Like, was that top five? Sixth in PPR on a per-game basis. He was ninth. Couldn't even be top five. Seventh in non-PPR. per-game basis. <laughs> okay. Um, how do you really feel, Dave? I think he's got huge potential, and he's just never been able to reach it. I do think he's got potential to score more touchdowns. I do worry about year two of the Geno Smith experiment mm-hmm. um, blowing up in Seattle's face. All right, so you're pretty accurate with with the Davy Downer, like, you know, representative of what you really feel. Uh, Jamie, DK Metcalf, or I'll give you a guy who actually has a quarterback that we know. Um, I keep going with all these guys, like Chris Godwin, DJ Moore, DeAndre Hopkins. I have no idea who their quarterbacks are going to be. Would you go with DK Metcalf? Well, how about Metcalf or Tyler Lockett? Metcalf. There's more upside there. Um, Metcalf or uh, Jerry Judy? Yep. I was going to ask that. Good one. I probably will take Metcalf. All right. So is Metcalf a guy that we've just overrated 
Does he still have, you know, another top 10 season left in him? Um, you know, what, what, how do we? I, mean, I think, you know, you look at the playoff game against the 49ers and you say, if he's that guy, like gets fed the ball like that, like, my God, yeah. what's the potential? 10 catches. So why haven't they done that? Why aren't they doing that? Well, I mean, he's, you did. know, when you talk to cornerbacks, he's the type of guy that they love to cover. You know, big physical receiver. Corners love that. You know, they hate guys that, that just move differently. And it's funny because he's one of the fastest guys, you know, that play the position still. But they they prefer to play big physical receivers. And so that's the type of, you know, when you when you play man and when you play press man, those are the type of guys that those those guys love. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's probably because there is another good receiver on the field with him. It's because, you know, they've he's been stuck in a, you know, run-centric offense, you know, with quarterbacks that you know, haven't necessarily been the type to pepper their number one guys to that extent. You know, Russell Wilson was never really like that. And, you know, Geno's sort of been hit or miss with that. So we'll see how things go in year two with Geno, if that's the direction that's trending, which seems to be the case. But I, I think at some point he's going to have that alpha season. And, you know, it's it's always there. You know, I, I know he's, you know, Heath could obviously address this better than I can. But, you know, from a guy that does dynasty rankings, he was in the top three. And then he's just been on a sliding scale for the last couple of years. You know, so there's still the potential for him to be in in, in the top five based on what his you know profile is. So feature him a little bit more, and, and, and the numbers will, will show. Yeah, I, one of my concerns with Metcalf is uh, he's only been great when he has had great quarterback play. I mean, even if you look within seasons, like Russell Wilson has had this tendency to have uh, a great first half of a season and then slump. And Metcalf has only really been a great Great, great fantasy wide receiver when Russell Wilson has been one of the best fantasy quarterbacks. But um, think about some of the trends of the Seattle offenses since Metcalf has been there. And it's been defense struggles for Seattle early. Russ has to save them. Then defense gets figured out because Pete Carroll's a great coach. And they start to play better defense. And the run game gets going in the second half of the season. That's kind of been what it's been for Seattle the last, last several years. Yeah, that not this year, though. They became more pass-heavy. First seven games, Geno Smith averaged 30.7 pass attempts per game. Last 10 games, he averaged 35.7, five more pass attempts per game. And in those last 10 games, DK Metcalf was on pace for 151 targets, 100 catches, but only 1,071 yards and seven touchdowns. So it just wasn't as productive with Geno Smith as he was with Russell Wilson, which isn't a huge shock, I guess. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot here. And then there's just looking, watching DK Metcalf. We see the flashes of him being absolutely unguardable. But we also see these uh, these games, and this really holds him back, guys. He usually, the playoff game was a shock to me. He usually really stinks in tough matchups. He was terrible against Denver this year. He was terrible against Arizona twice. He was bad against Arizona every single time he's faced him in his career, basically. Um, he's not good against Jalen Ramsey usually. Uh, he's he struggles against good cornerbacks, and there there are a lot of those in his division. I don't know. That's that's me on Met Arizona Camp. may change just because of scheme. Yes, they might, but that maybe that holds him back. You know, he's he has like, like quiet, very quiet games, and then he has some huge ones. Well, this is the kind of guy that I think Heath probably loves. You know, end of season versus you know the ebbs and flows of the year. Yeah, maybe. Well, then let's go to another guy. Um, let's go to someone from Jamie's list. How about, all right, how about Najee Harris? Uh, your, what's your case for a bounce back from Najee Harris? I mean, we've talked about that a lot recently that, you know, he was tackled at the one seven times. Again, not knowing if, how many of those he finished, but, you know, some, some unlucky touchdown situations. I, I think for him it's going to come down to what's his role in the passing game. You know, if he gets back to being a 45 to 50 catch guy, I don't think he's going to be a 70 catch guy again, but if he gets back to being a 45 or 50 catch guy, uh, he's going to be a star, but um, I, I think that's where the the Steelers go in terms of their offseason and investing in their offensive line is clearly the biggest weakness of their team. And so some, some more capital thrown in that position, knowing that the quarterback's going to get better, at least that's the hope. Receiving core is still pretty special. Uh, and Najee's still young enough, despite being an older third-year back, that he's going to have the better fantasy season than he had. Again, he may never be the, the rookie running back that we saw uh, because of how much involved he was, but... I still think there's a lot to like about where he can be this year with, as we saw at the end of the season, how the offense helped him out. Uh, you've addressed this, Adam, how the defense played better, you know, with TJ Watt was on the field, so that kind of helped his production as well. So I, I think Najee in the right situation, you know, we've seen him go in round three in a lot of our drafts, uh, in, in the drafts that we've done lately. And I think that's how we kind of viewed him in the middle of last season was, you know, a round three pick at best. So 
if you tell me you're getting that type of player in round three, I'll, I'll love that all day long. Dave, Davey Downer, Najee Harris. Four games last year with more than three receptions. The offensive line was an abomination. They obviously have to try and do something to make that better. But are we convinced that Kenny Pickett's really going to take a step forward in his second year? Are we convinced that the play calling is going to take a step forward in the second year? And are we sure that Najee Harris isn't anything more than a hyped-up two-down running back who you're going to need 14 touchdowns from in order to come through with good fantasy numbers. Who mm, is the number 18 running back per game in non-PPR, number 20 in full PPR. How do you feel about it, Heath Cummings? I <clears throat> I almost put him as a bounce-back candidate. I think he probably will be slightly better than 18th. I don't see him bouncing all the way back to what he was as a rookie. And I do think that what Dave said is mostly right. I think he's just a volume-dependent guy who's probably not going to have a great efficiency year. I did look. He only had four carries from the one-yard line last year. He scored on two of them. Um, he wasn't tackled on the one on any of them. He lost yards on the other two. Um, but I just think you're probably, if he touches the ball 350 times, then he'll likely be a top 12 running back, a low-end top 12 guy. But there's a lot of running backs that if they get 350 touches, I would expect them to be better than that. Mm. Yeah, I, Jamie, how concerned are you about Najee Harris just getting benched, you know? Losing his job because he's not good enough. Um, very little concern. Really? Yeah. Because I have some concern about that. He hasn't been very good, and he kind of he did lose a role to Jalen Warren. He lost his third down role. Well, this conversation would obviously change if they drafted somebody uh, in like the third round or something. But okay, anybody concerned about Najee Harris just stinking and losing his job? Not he, the only way he loses the job is if he really stinks. And this is if the Steelers throw a lot of resources at improving the offensive line, and I think they will. Reports out of Mobile said that Mike Tomlin was spending all of his time looking at the offensive linemen that were there. And there were some good offensive linemen in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and there are some good offensive linemen in this draft. So let's just lay out a scenario. Steelers improve their offensive line. Maybe they bring in a veteran. They draft a guy in round one. They really, you know, it looks like it's going to be a strength instead of a weakness. And Najee is still around 3.7 yards per carry. Doesn't come through in goal-to-go situations or and-one situations. Yeah, he could get benched. But that's what it'll take. I'm trying to figure out if he scored on any of these, Najee Harris scored on any of these carries where he got down to the one. And as of now, I don't think so. But I will try to figure that out. All right, let's do a few more here. Bounce back candidate from Heath. Okay, Mark Andrews. Let's talk about Mark Andrews, who's on both of your bounce back lists. And let me get my Mark Andrews stats up here. Andrews was the number five tight end in non, number four in full PPR. He will be 28 years old in September. On a per-game basis, Mark Andrews was the number three tight end in football. In the first seven games of the season, that was before his week eight injury. He was the number two tight end in football, and he was on pace. For, he was having a monster year. He was on pace for over 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns. The only reason he was number two is because Travis Kelsey was freaking great. Uh, obviously, he slumped to the finish line. So, I, Heath, you know, the argument against Andrews, and Dave will make a better one later, is just that 2000, 2021, when you just look at, you know, the back of the baseball card, right? When you look at Mark Andrews' player page, 2021 really stands out as the outlier. And it's also an outlier in terms of Baltimore's pass attempts. But every other year of his career, he's been, well, at least three of the last four since he broke out, uh, he's been on a, a very run-heavy team, and he just hasn't been able to put up the end-of-year numbers that really make him uh, anything more than uh, anything more than maybe like a fourth-round pick. But go ahead, but, Heath. Yes, very, very good at <laughs> the position. Yeah, of course, um, yes. Yes, um, I think you look at it and... Last year, in the games that he and Lamar Jackson both stayed healthy, he averaged 15 fantasy points per game. The year before, in the games that he and Lamar Jackson both stayed healthy, he averaged 14.9 PPR fantasy points per game. I expect as long as Lamar Jackson's there, he's going to be right about 15 fantasy points per game, which would be two and a half better than he was last year, be a point and a half better than anyone else was last year. I expect him to be the number two tight end worth a third-round pick. And for people just to have a reference point, what number are you assigning to him? How many points per game? 15. 15. 
Here's Kelsey over the last six seasons. PPR points per game, 15.7, So 15 would not quite be Kelsey, but it would be really, really good. Second round pick, maybe third round pick at worst, if you could average 15 points per game. Davey Downer, why is Mark Andrews not going to be a bounce back candidate? Oh, Dave is frozen. Look at that. Oh. Well, Dave was just refusing to participate because (laughs) (laughs) that's really a downer. Uh, By the way, Adam, you know they do make football cards, right? Not real. I mean, they do, but back of the baseball card is the expression, right? Uh, That's 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 a tried and true. I've got a lot of football cards. Yeah, same here. Everybody says back of the baseball. Nobody says back of the football card. That's not a thing. Uh, You also, Jamie, had Mark Andrews on your bounce back list. I mean, I agree mostly with Heath. The only thing I would add is, you know, and you brought this up, Adam, in terms of pass attempts, I think if Lamar Jackson is gone, they're going to bring in a quarterback that's probably going to throw the ball a lot more and have a more what you would consider a traditional offense. So if that's the case, you got to assume that the targets may be a career high for him even better than 2021. So there's that, you know, flip side of the Lamar Jackson equation if he's gone. So it could be a rookie that would probably be a little frustrating and, and may not make Mark Andrews the number two tight end and make him worth drafting the third round and get him to the 15 PPR points per game. But I do think that if you have some semblance of a threat on the outside, because you know you, you heard what teams were doing to the Ravens, you know, based on what the Ravens were saying and what you know uh, opponents were saying. You take away Mark Andrews, you take away the passing game. I mean, you know, when when you have the receiving core that they had, especially at the end of the season, you know, with with guys like Sammy Watkins and, and the group that was there. So I do think that if Rashad Bateman can can develop into something, and maybe they add another piece that's that's not just a young player that they're trying to develop, but with a third round pick or a fourth round pick, and there is some some capital spent on the wide receiver spot. Again, knowing what this this group looks like, but let's just say it's Juju because of how the rumor was that Juju was supposed to go there a few times over the last couple of seasons when he was a free agent. So. You put Juju there, Rashad Bateman there, Andrews there. You know, it's not just you, you can you focus on taking Andrews away and you're talking about maybe another 100 pass attempts to this offense if it's not Lamar. There's still a path for Mark Andrews to be a pretty good fantasy tenant. All right, last point, though. You know, Heath, I believe you were saying as a lesson learned to value continuity. The Ravens might be anything but that, right? I mean, they, they might have... Let's say they bring back Lamar Jackson, but still... They're not going to have the same offensive coordinator that they've had for the last several seasons where Lamar Jackson, you know, had a lot of success. He's going to have to learn a new system. Does that you have both Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews on this early, early bounce back list and things are going to be a little bit different for them. So how does that factor in? Yeah, I think like valuing continuity doesn't necessarily need to be in everyone's back. But if the head coach, the leading pass catcher and the quarterback are all back, the offensive coordinator is a change and something to, to watch out for. But wouldn't be as concerning for me as multiple people being gone. Um, and it would depend on who they bring in, too. Like, if they bring in a new offensive coordinator and a wide receiver one, then I think you have reason to worry about Andrew's targets. Dave, we're going to do one more. Welcome back, Dave. Thank you. One more here. So it'll be from Jamie's list. I'll let you choose. Uh, Brandon Cooks, Darren Waller, Terry McLaurin, Darnell Mooney, Matthew Stafford. Let's talk about McLaurin. Jamie, let's talk about Terry McLaurin as a bounce back. I just think there's too much talent, and I'm curious to see what the offense is going to look like there as well with the quarterback and coordinator um, to not buy back into what he can be. Obviously, Jahan Dotson's uh, arrival and what we saw last season with the run game sort of, I I think, put a bad taste in everybody's mouth with Terry McLaurin because we had high expectations for him. But for him, I'm just going to buy into his talent and, and playmaking ability, still being the number one receiver there for however long that lasts. I don't think Dotson is taking him out of that role. So at a discounted price for where McLaurin should probably go this year, I'm, I'm going to buy back into him in a big way. Uh, he was uh, the number 22 wide receiver per game in non-PPR. McLaurin was number 26 in full PPR. And I feel like just off the top of my head, he's kind of lived in that range throughout his career. I was going to say, I think he's had a career high this year in yards. Uh, 1,191. Wouldn't be a surprise if he played 17 games. Dave, Davey Downer, welcome back. Make the case you know, against I, I have McLaurin on my dynasty team. He's He's been a joy to have on a fantasy roster, but 13.5 PPR points per game last year, 12.2 the year before that. 
We don't know who his quarterback's going to be. Not sure who the play caller is going to be. We don't know what this offense is going to end up looking like. And I'm not sure that he's the best receiver on this Washington Commanders offense. He could still be a 1B. And just imagine how wonderful that would be if the 1A, even if he's the 1A, McLaurin's the 1A, Dotson's the 1B, whatever. They still need that piece at under center. They need a great quarterback. I don't think that they're going to end up getting somebody that they're going to be truly happy with who will elevate both of these wide receivers to be excellent. I'm going to try and get McLaurin at a value on draft day. If other people buy into him as a bounce-back candidate, crossing their fingers that he's going to get 15 PPR points per game, I think I'm going to let them do that. I think he's a good player. I just think he's stuck in a bad spot. Okay, anything else to add? Um, Dave, uh, felt that felt legit, Davey Downer. That felt like legit Dave Richard. It was legit, okay. Um, Heath, top 20 receiver next year, Terry McLaurin? Um, I, no. No. Jamie, top 20? Right around there. Okay. We'll see what the uh, the rookie class looks like. And he doesn't have an offensive coordinator yet either, right? And they're still waiting to hire him. Or quarterback, uh, yeah. So a lot to be determined. Uh, yeah, just why can't he score more touchdowns? The guy gets so few targets near the end zone. That's always something that could change. But let's see. Let's touchdowns year by year. Seven, four, five, and five. That's 21 touchdowns in 63 games. Nothing well, special there. Yeah. They haven't had a lot of pass touchdowns, have they? I know in 2021, they only had 21 touchdowns. Through the they haven't year. had a lot of good quarterbacks. No, it's a DJ Moore type of type of argument, right? DJ Moore's been on a team that's thrown 17 or fewer touchdown passes four straight years, and he actually broke through a little bit. What did he have, seven or eight touchdown catches, DJ Moore, this year? He did. Um, they threw the commanders through 24 touchdowns, which isn't terrible. And McLaurin had five. Jahan Dotson had seven. Curtis Samuel had four cat- touchdown catches. Right, but think about what you have to put up as a receiver in terms of catches and yards to overcome – a low touchdown total. It's hard to be really good for fantasy if you're not scoring that many touchdowns. All righty, folks. That's the first of our five episodes this week. We're going to have Dan Schneier on this week. We're going to have Chris Towers on this week. We'll see if we can get Mike McClure on for some DFS, although we do have a Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast. You can just listen to that. As the week uh, gets a little bit you know, closer to Sunday, we'll talk more about the Super Bowl. We'll give you a big preview on Friday, talk about some betting nuggets and things like that, and hopefully get a better idea although you know the coaches aren't going to be honest or anything like that. Hopefully get a better idea of how Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts are progressing as we have two injured quarterbacks going into this game, which kind of stinks. But still, we're, we're, uh, we can't wait. We're looking forward to it. And, of course, we'll help you decide pizza or wings, and the answer is always both. So for Dave, Heath, and Jamie, I am Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow with another edition of Fantasy Football Today. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a good one.